0: Coaches, thanks again for tuning in to the Minnesota Basketball Coaching Podcast. In a minute, we'll get started with St. Mary's University Assistant Coach Kyle Brown. But before that, I wanted to just plug my video breakdown um, software or um, website through gumroad.com backslash Coach Clotier. Gumroad.com backslash Coach Clotier. I've done two video breakdowns. The first one of Augsburg College's transition offense and the second one, St. John's University's three out, two in ball screen offense. Again, gumroad.com backslash Coach here to access that content. All right, so we're going to welcome in St. Mary's assistant coach, Kyle Brown. Coach, thanks for joining today.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to talk some hoops.
0: I know you're busy with COVID and recruiting through a lot of live streaming and different mechanisms, so I'm not sure how many, if you've been able to check out the podcast or not, but we always start with our coaching Wikipedia page, and so t- tell us what your coaching Wikipedia page, where you're from, where you played, and what brought you to St. Mary's.
1: Yeah, so I uh, I I am I have listened to most of the podcasts. It's been a, a really, good, uh, really good series so far, some really good coaches. I think, for me, I started, I'm from Burlington, Wisconsin, which is, uh, it's a, Town in southeast Wisconsin. About it's now about twelve twelve thousand people or so. Back when I was growing up and when I was younger, it was a lot smaller, and uh, it just a real like middle you know middle class blue collar type town. Uh, I played every sport growing up. Um, me and my, I have a brother that's two years younger, and so me and him you know we competed all the time and would punt basketballs down the hill and get competitive. Um, and we both love basketball the most. Like he was a college soccer player, but I, I think if you would hold a gun to his head he would have rather played basketball all through and then for me like I love playing basketball and Burlington was when we were in high school was a division one school which is the biggest high school in Wisconsin so you know I played freshman year sophomore year Um, it was funny like both years I always thought I was the first guy that was going to get cut coming from like a Catholic grade school my my freshman year I almost tried wrestling because I was like there's no way there's 40 dudes I'm making the team and uh, like I was you know a good player both years and then my junior and senior year, I was on varsity. Um, you know, I didn't really play a ton because we were Division One. And my senior year, I got to a point where I was probably able, ready to play, uh, had a chance to at least be in the rotation, worked really hard. And then we uh, we got in a transfer that ended up being a Division 2 All-American in college. So um, that was kind of a tough, tough, uh, tough blow my senior year. My claim to fame is I'm two for two in my, my varsity career. So 100% shooting percentage, can't beat it. Um and then I just knew at an early age I wanted to coach. Like I coached my brother's team with my dad when he was in seventh and eighth grade and I was a uh, freshman sophomore in high school. I coached the high school teams while I, the younger high school teams while I was in high school. Um went to UW Parkside as a student assistant. Uh worked for Luke Regal. It was one of the best experiences of my life. Uh he's just an amazing coach, amazing mentor, and I think I always tell people, one, he's like the best offensive mind I've ever been around. And then two, the thing I think I looking back that I took most from it is like he would took input from me like from day one like the day I walked on campus he let me be involved in with recruiting he let me be involved with coaching like I did post player stuff I did scouting everything and he let me say things like you know suggestions and looking back like I cringe at some of the things I suggested to him and he just like he didn't he, he wasn't a jerk about it but like he was like okay like you know placated me and it's like okay yeah I'll think about it and then I decided, like why do I listen to this guy? or Why is he talking? But um, so after that, I did that for four years. Um, it was a really good, like I said, a really good experience. We made the NCAA tournament. And then I went to St. Norbert college, worked for a guy named Gary Gresh. Uh, this is up, it's a D three school up in De Pere, Wisconsin, which is green Bay. And that was a really good experience. Like coach Regal was to offense. Uh, Gary was defense and culture. And he was a Dick Bennett guy. He played at green Bay for coach Bennett. Um, so I learned so much, and I was basically from the time I got there, I was the one coordinating all the recruiting and doing all the stuff and uh, really tilted my lens to the defensive side of the floor those five years, and we had a ton of success there with three NCA tournaments and uh, three conference championships. And when I left, the last year I was there, they started a streak where they won like – they set the NCA record for most conference wins in a row over the next, like, three years. And then from there, I took a job down at Cornell College in – Mount Vernon, Iowa, which is between Cedar Rapids and Iowa City. Uh, super small town, about 3,700 people. I worked for a guy named Chad Murray there. Uh, the thing I probably got from him the most was he really cared about the guys. His big thing was he wanted guys to be a great teammate, you know, and I think he was really open to to like just suggestions and I guess collaborative is the best word with him. I left there and that's when I took the job at uh, St. Mary's for Coach Rustoven, Jameson Rustoven, when, he was the one that hired me. It was kind of funny because I was between jobs when he hired me and I was working a sales job in Milwaukee uh, selling corporate hospitality to like for like sporting events like I was trying to sell to the U.S. Open in Aaron Hill. So you're cold calling 150 people a day. You're getting shut down by 60-year-old receptionist. You're trying to work back way through the, the phone system and it was just a, not a fun experience. And uh, Coach Russell kind of saved me a lot with that and got me here and then we've just kind of built it ever since. So I've been, this was my fourth year here and it's been a fun ride uh, at St. Mary's and the last three years I've also coached AAU, which, uh, which has been fun too.
0: All right. So Saturday, Saturday morning, you're probably sitting around and you maybe be an AAU tournament. I know you coach coaching. we will talk about that in a minute. Maybe you're in your um, deluxe Winona apartment. Uh, all of a sudden, I'm sure your phone blows up. Right. And you get Fran Fashilla gives you a little love on Twitter. Right coaches, you will love this coaching resource from coach Kyle Brown of St. Mary's hoops sign up for his email. Thanks for sharing. What was your initial reaction when you're getting love from Fran on social media?
1: So it's kind of funny. Uh, We had a a. 10am game at Burnsville for select. And so with the way that tickets are done, I had to go to a a gas station by there with an ATM and clear out three of my cards. So you know, you're not in a good mood when you got to like, get the cash and you got to like be able to go pay for it on your own. And like, okay, it's like, I have $50 on this card. I have a hundred, whatever. So I get back in my car and I'm driving over to the gym and you know, not in a bad mood, but I'm just like, okay, like I'm cleared out. I got it. Now all these parents have to pay me the, the cash. And uh also I get this notification and like, I had included him in a tweet just including like that he was in the newsletter for the week. And it says Fran for And I'm like, Oh, he must've just liked it. That's cool. And then I like, look, I'm like, no, he mentioned me. And then he like, I looked down again, not that I was like, I was at a, I should say I was at a stoplight, but yeah, allegedly um, you were at a stoplight. I'm yeah, I got you. I'm not making air quotes or anything. I looked down and I'm like, wait a minute. And I'm just like, I just had this feeling like, Oh my gosh. And I just couldn't believe it. Like it was just so crazy. And then the whole day, like, you know, like I, I see Zach cave in the gym and he's like, he's like, did you see this? I'm like, yeah. He's like, Oh my God, I got to go tweet about it. So then it was like that the whole day. And it was just, it was one of those like really just, and again, it's Twitter. Like it's not like, it's real life but it's not like i'm just like this is the craziest thing that's ever happened to me and just people blowing up and like notifications and like people like i jumped that day i jumped 150 subscribers to my newsletter so you know like it was just one of those most surreal experiences i've ever had uh you know like with that type of thing
0: we deserve it because you put a lot of hard work in the gaps is the blog uh that kyle has started highly 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 recommend hopefully get you know the four to six people that will listen to this, hopefully half of them, two to three of them will, will join the newsletter. Uh just give us the background of how you started the blog and then what it consists of for those that might not be familiar.
1: Yeah, so um I started it back in the spring. Um I wanted a way to kinda well, we're all dealing with COVID and lockdown in Winona, and you can see my deluxe apartment for those that have the video access. Um it's not very deluxe, there's not much room, you know, like Winona's a good town, but when you're locked down, you're locked down. So I wanted something to do. I've always liked breaking down film online, you know, and posting stuff to Twitter, stuff to my YouTube. Um, for me, it was one of those things that it just made sense to do. I was following a guy named David Perell, and uh, he's basically big into, it's, it's branding and marketing and writing stuff online is his kind of niche. And he's like, it's one of the best ways to share information. I was at a point where I was consuming too much information and I had nowhere to go with it. And so it was like, it was almost overwhelming. That's when we had all the coaches clinics. That's when we had all of that. And for me, I was like, well, like, this is great, but like, I'm like burnt out from these coaches clinics. Like I got to get this information out. So I just kind of started it and I try to do one post a week and kind of break down something. And uh, that was, it's been a fun experience for me because it's like, it's just like, this is a great way for me to get stuff out there. Like I, I really like having it because not only does it help me, but it can help other people because it's like, when I write that stuff and I got to watch the film, it, like I'm breaking it down, but then like other people are going to get the same benefit that I am if they read it, you know, like that they're going to learn and be able to like, Oh, that's an interesting concept. I've never thought of that. I'm going to go look at more clips. And so that's kind of why I started. And then the newsletter just kind of spawned off it, you know, like it's something I've wanted to do for a while, easy way to share. I mean, it's completely free. Like, and I try to make it really quick and easy because like we all subscribe to a million newsletters that we never read because it's just like, well, I'm not watching 40 minutes of this or reading a huge article. Like five plays, you know, like some podcast recommendations, a couple articles, a couple quotes and a video. And like, it's like, you can consume it at once. You can consume it in pieces. And I think that's a really, it's been a really good thing. I've gotten some really good feedback on it, but it's just good to share. Like, as you learn stuff, the best way to keep learning and, and digest it is to share it with others. So
0: what I love, what I love that you've done with this is when you break down and I'm speaking more here to the film breakdown is when you're breaking down film, you're not taking, all right, let's see what uh Vogel's running for LeBron out of timeout it's like okay that that's great you could run anything for LeBron to get a switch in an ISO and he's probably going to be successful and look like a good coach but I mean you've done the Iowa Wolves you've done the main I want to say Red Claws right not White Claws yep yep. Yep. main Red Claws you've done some other teams too you've done I know you've done you looked at the Portland Trail Blazers but you didn't like say okay let's look at some ISO sets for Damian Lillard and so how do you decide what you're looking to break down is there a certain action that you've seen from you know with Iowa Wolves, you looked at a lot of it playing through the five the new tradition or the the modern five all playing through the five at the top of the key with some stagger away and away screens and that sort of sort of stuff. but is there like a specific action you're looking to
1: write out, or is there just you pick a team and just like let the team take where you go kind of both um, like early on it was more and I guess it still is like I'll go on synergy and they'll have like rankings by percentile or they'll say like uh Northern Colorado has the best hitting the Roman points for possession with the most possession. So I'll, then I'll just dive into that. Um, like Portland, I did, it was basically I found all of Damian Lillard, uh ball screens. So all the times he's passed or shot on a ball screen in and in make. So it was like 700 clips. So I just dive into that. But um, some teams like the Rockets, I, I just did, uh, I broke down the whole season of Rockets, and, except the last couple of bubble games. I haven't done that. But then it's just like, okay, I want to see what they do. Like, obviously, like you said, they have, like, the hardened stuff where, like, okay, you can take 37 crossovers and then shoot. Well, that's not applicable to anything. And then a big thing for me going off that is, like, I want to take what I do and one habit that I can use at our level. But, like, if I, if I send it to a high school coach, like, like, they can use it, too. Like, you know, like the Rockets, for instance. Like, okay, the, the ISO, Harden, you know, independent trigger being able to create on his own off of crossovers and, and diving into guys to create a foul. Probably not going to work in a high school game on a Friday night. But what they do around that is really interesting because, like, they'll do, like, touch screens, you know, and they'll use different type of surprise screens where they'll, they'll basically cut underneath and set, like, a, I call it a mash, which is a, a screen into a handoff. And they'll set that for a guy. Well, you can use that. Like, that's stuff you can do. But you can't do all of it. But, like, there's things that you can legit do. And that's, that's how I approach it for me. And then just try to show creative stuff. Like, I, I think the more you look at, like, the creative stuff that those coaches are doing, not only can you just steal it, like, flat out and say, oh, I can run that, you know. But, like, you can also, like, well, this is a really good idea, and we do this already. So now I can take these two things and put them together, and now I can build a series. Like, it's funny. Like, I was watching the Rockets. I saw a play I really liked, and that weekend in a- we had an AAU tournament, and I put it in. Uh, like, literally just drew it up on the board, and we got a layup off it. You know, so it's like, it was like, okay, well, this is super simple. Like we could do this. We do something like it. So that's kind of how I approach the process of going and finding all that stuff.
0: I do want to disagree with you on one thing. I do think there's probably, if there's any high school kids listening to, to this, at least three quarters of them probably think they can break their guy down on 37 dribbles and get to the rim. I do think coaches might not be cool with it, but I'm guessing there's some high school, a lot of high school kids think, no, coach, coach hates me. He doesn't let me play like James Harden, but I got that ability.
1: Oh, there's a hundred percent. I think every, most, not every, I'll give some kids credit, but you know, it's the Dame shots from 38 feet and the, the Harden crossovers. We're just, all coaches are holding them back basically. I think. Yeah, so.
0: exactly. <laughs> we're not, we're not letting them be yeah. the art artists that they actually are. Gotta let them hoop. Uh, Gotta let I, them hoop. I want to come back to some of the specific actions as we get into more of the ball screen heavy stuff here in the, in the second part of this, but I just want to briefly touch on your, um, AAU and then the last couple of years at St. Mary's here before we get into ball screen heavy stuff. So you've been coaching AAU. What is something that you've noticed on the AAU game? Um, that is maybe helping you in recruiting guys or just something that's maybe made you look at, um, the college game differently.
1: Um, good question. I, I think, it's been a good experience working with select. Um, you know, I've coached the third team each year and, you know, so it's, it's good for me to see that. Cause it kind of like, when you're at the college level, like you kind of take for granted a lot of stuff that, Oh, they can just do it. They're a varsity kid. Um, so I think one, it makes me appreciate just how good a coaches high school coaches are, you know, and I don't think high school coaches get enough credit. Like, You know, when I was younger, you know, I always thought the NBA guys and the college guys were, you know, not superior, but, like, that's who I was. But it's like, no, these high school guys, what they have to do, like, you don't – some don't get to recruit. So, it's like – it's one of those things where it's like you got to really just take the guys you have and build what you're doing that year each year. So, that's something that I've learned a ton. I think being around kids more at that age has helped me recruiting-wise because – I get to see what they're like when it's not like a text from a college coach or like they're on a visit. Like, so it's kind of giving me like an insight into how they think, what type of things they're looking at. Okay, like, well, I had a recruit last year. Maybe that didn't – I didn't connect with. Well, why didn't I connect? And then I'm talking to some of my guys this year, and it's like, oh, so this is what they are talking about. This is why it doesn't resonate when I'm talking with stuff that, you know. know, Or this is like – you know, I'm making a joke about – facebook or something uh, social media and they like they don't even do facebook they're on snapchat or they're on tiktok or whatever like like that kind of stuff is has been really beneficial and then uh yeah like that's the biggest stuff and like for me like how i view it is like a way to uh experiment with things i want to work on like different drill ideas like finishing stuff like we had a lot of issues not a lot but we had some issues like finishing at the rim last winter for st mary's against the guys that were like going vertical like we we didn't do real well with that well like how can we work on that so in AAU we were kind of having a similar problem so you know like we did a lot of our finishing stuff with a slight advantage and then we put a guy at the rim and now you have to like go finish against a a chest up or a vertical like a wall up type thing so like that's the kind of the way I use it even with like teaching stuff like I did a dribble drive for two years with AAU to do structure like this year I went to like a like a five out more delay type stuff, you know, just, I've never coached it. So now I got to work with it. I thought it fit our guys. Like, well, I'm going to dive all into this this year and kind of do it and, and see how it works. And that, those are kind of the big benefits I think I get from it.
0: You guys were one in 24 a couple years ago. And this past year you made the playoffs and had a playoff win. Talk about the, the transition and the change, I don't, you know, changing of culture, that stuff gets thrown around a lot. Just what, what were some of the things that you guys did in the last two years to make that huge leap as a program?
1: Yeah, the one in 24, I would not recommend. It was not uh, good for the mental health. Um, and I, in all seriousness, it was a fluke type thing. We lost that summer before. We lost our best player, like potential player of the year in the MIAC, potential All-American, who is Eli Cave. You know, I, we lost him in July to a knee, and then we lost our probably our second best player, Kevin Gleason, who's from Washburn. Eli's from Benilde, and then Kevin's from Washburn. We lost him to a knee. So in the span of about three weeks, you go from being like, hey, like we're going to be young, but we got Eli, we got KG. Like we're going to be all right. Like, well, you know, we're not going to be the best team in the conference, but we'll, we'll be able to compete. We lose those guys. And now we've got to throw three freshmen a, that we recruited really hard and a couple other freshmen into the fire from day one. And that was, uh, you know, uh, Jamison Rustobin was the coach that year. And then he, you know, like we did a great job recruiting guys. Like even like that class was Sawyer, Rosner from Phelps, Wisconsin, Kareem Anthony Bellow from chicago and then uh jake bailey was the third guy in that class from uh cameron wisconsin And those guys were really talented but they're freshmen going against men like jake was six 180 pounds going against dudes like colin olmscheid from augsburg and like these other big like you're just not gonna do well in that situation when you're 40 pounds 50 pounds lighter than a guy so it was a tough year but it was there was a lot of benefits those guys got good experience after that uh during the summer that year there was a coaching change uh joe fano came in and he, he was from, he worked at Benedictine when they went to the national championship and uh, lost to St. Thomas. That was the only game they lost all year. And then the North park. So when coach Fano came in, it was a huge, huge, uh, it was crazy. Like it was a crazy couple months. And you know, like we kind of stabilized, you know, after he got here. And I think the biggest thing he did was just the accountability piece. Like he really brought that from day one. Like he's like, Hey, like, this is how we're going to do things. If you don't like it, there's the door. I think our guys bought into that. You know, we had a a good year. We won eight games that first year with coach kind of changed some of the offensive stuff. We did more Davidson motion and he's like an expert in it. And then, you know, we just, it was more just the culture piece. Like, and it wasn't that our culture was bad, but it's just whenever you have that change, it's a natural change to that new culture. And we, we lost, we won eight games that year. We lost 10 games under 10 points. We got, uh, beat at the buzzer three different times in, in the Mayak play. So we were really close to being really good. So our guys were really excited. And then this past year, we were finally experienced. Like college basketball, high school basketball is the same way. Like you don't win with young guys unless you got like lottery-type guys like at your level. And so this year was, you know, you take that logical progression. You know, you probably don't go from one win to 15 wins in a year unless you're really special. You know, but we went one to eight, and then this year we went to 14. Well, again, we lost a couple close ones. We had a rough stretch and we lost Raheem Anthony, who was our point guard, a freshman from uh Chicago. Like we and he was out for 5 games around Christmas and we lost all 5. Like, you know, it's just one of those deals. Like it's just it's basketball. So like we've had this progression and I think the biggest thing that's changed in our program is that our guys just got older and they got better and they've put a ton of work in. You know, like Eli, you know, is one of the best players in the league night in and night out. Like he's only had in the last 2 years he's only had one night where he didn't score double figures in the MIAC, like with great coaches at every school, like, and great players, great defenders. So, you know, playing through him, he's just so unselfish and just does so many things. And then I think our, our supporting cast just got really good at buying into what they need to do. And, and we, we were much better defensively this year too, which I think helps a ton. And it's been, it's been a fun ride. Like, like the words don't explain like how good it felt after this year, knowing that we did something that's really never been done other than one time in our school's history
0: most of the people listening to this are going to be high school coaches. So I want to take uh, your insight into the college world and help some high school coaches out with their uh, student athletes that hopefully they're going to be able to coach this winter. So obviously the spring has been goofy with COVID and the recruiting and how you guys have went about with getting out and watching guys play. So what is one piece of advice that you might challenge a high school coach to help their player get on the radar with college programs, given that the AAU season was a little goofy?
1: Yeah, it was really goofy. Um, I would say the biggest thing It's just have that level of communication, you know, like, and I'll admit I'm not always perfect with like, if a coach sends me an email on a kid, like I don't always get back right away. Like it's just life. Like sometimes it's just like, Hey, I need to get back to this guy. You just forget, but it works the same way. Like some, like I get that. I would say the best thing you can do is just, you know, if you have film on a kid, like reach out to a coach, be like, Hey coach, like, I don't know if you saw Johnny this, this summer during AAU. Like he's been really good for us. Here's what he can do. Here's the stats from last year. Here's some film. Let me know if you need anything else. Like, I think that's the best thing you can do. And, like, for players, like, honestly, like, we get a million emails um, from kids, like, from all over. Like, I get emails. I got an email today from a kid from, like, New York, a kid from California, a kid from, I think, Australia. Like, I've got, like that's an everyday thing. Like, so when you're, like, sending those emails or if you're telling your kids to send these emails, like, you got to personalize it don't put like, you're the hardest working guy you've ever met. Like, cause like every kid says that and we'll be able to tell that in the film. But I think like the biggest thing is like go and fill a questionnaire out and send an email. Because like, if I see that you filled out a questionnaire, like it's a small thing. It's taken five minutes, but like, Hey, like they took time to do this. I'm going to watch this film and, and personalize the email. Don't just say, Hey coach, I love your program. I've been a fan since I was a kid. It's like, dude, like I'm a division three coach. Like you never watch my team play. Like you don't have to lie about that type of stuff. Like, just tell, like I tell kids, like, just be honest, you know? And it, it's been one of those things. Like if you just say, Hey coach, like I'm really interested in coming to play. Here's my film. Let me know what you think. Like, like that, that's usually going to be good if you personalize it just a little bit.
0: That's really good information. Cause I think that, um, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be hard. There's me, this 21 classes, going to be tough to give in everything that, you know, maybe some of them, I know a lot of coaches get a lot of their, their high school scouting, especially with the junior classes, maybe they'll see them at the state tournament and then they follow them into the AAU season. And so not having a state tournament, not having seen some of those perennial teams that are pumping all college kids, then not having the AAU season as normal, where you are able to get in the gym at eight in the morning at the Whitney center on a Saturday and Sunday and see the upcoming uh, seniors, I think coaches, it's, it's a little bit of our responsibility. I know we're going to have a lot on our plates as teachers and educators, but I do think that we need to really do take the extra step with helping our guys get recruited. So I think that's great feedback. Um, just want to review that you said the questionnaire personalize the email and be honest, right. Those would be the three big things.
1: Yeah. Like for, for a player, the, the less you try to describe yourself, the better. Like, I don't, I don't need you to tell me that you can play one through five. Like if you're six, two, you're not playing one through five. Like. You know, and I don't need to say, like, the like I'm the hardest worker. Or like, I, I care about the game. Like, that's going to be evident when we talk. Like, I think that's the funniest thing I get. And like I said, like, I had a kid that says he's been a fan of mine for since he was a ba- – like, he was, like, five or something. I'm like, dude, like, you don't know who I am. You just saw my email on a, on a website and you emailed me. So, it, I could write a book about, like, the, the emails I get from kids. It's just – and, like, they're coming from a good place. But I tell all my guys, like, just be real. Just say, hey, coach, this is my film. This is my stats. This is, I, I'm a two guard at, I don't know, Matamidai. Or like, if you, I'd love to talk to you about playing and just be real. And just the less you put, the better. Like, as long as you personalize it a little bit and it doesn't look like a form letter set to every coach in the country, most of us will at least look at the film and then it's just up to how good you are.
0: Like, Dantoni's coaching the MIAC. I think he might play a six, two guy at the five. He could probably switch five with
1: that. Yeah, maybe. Like, I, I, I <laughs> he, he'd probably find, that guy's so creative. He'd probably find a way to make it work too.
0: All right, let's get into ball screen offense. I know you mentioned that, you know, for a while you're kind of more of a defensive lens guy, but you've done – you've put out a lot of stuff with ball screen offense from – you know, I know you've sent out some, some presentation stuff that you've done, and you've uh, – within your In the Gaps newsletter and blog, you've done some uh, breakdown of some of the more modern – five out, spread ball screen offense type stuff. So I think you're a, a, a really good source for high school coaches who I know would will be willing to discuss further than anyone who wants to reach out to you. But let's talk the basics of the modern ball screen offense that you're seeing a lot of teams run. And specifically, if you were a high school coach, how, what would the install look like with your program?
1: Yeah, so one of my big projects this offseason was just diving into ball screen stuff. So like when I after our season, I'm like, this is what I want to dive into. I've been paying a lot of attention to the European game. Uh, I got some friends coaching over there. And so they've been great with me teaching me that stuff. And I think the, the whole thing it starts with is understanding what you're trying to accomplish in the ball screen. Like, and I'm a hundred percent guilty of this as well. Like, or I was, I should say like, I've changed this because when I was learning and growing as a coach in the past and especially at like Cornell, like everything we did off the ball screen for the guards was how do we score off the ball screen as the guard? So if they, you know, like it's all about coverage solutions. So if they hedge hard, well, I'm probably going, like, gonna try to split it, or I'm gonna try to like get downhill against it. You know, like if they're going in a drop, well, I'm going hostage dribble, and then I'm gonna try to beat the rim. Well, the thing I've like really taken away from talking to a lot of these European coaches is the ball screen is the best chance or a great chance to just create an advantage. So you got to frame that lens for those guys, like, like hey, and you know, I got, the point guard I had with AAU this year, like we did all, a lot of ball screen stuff. It's like you don't have to score you don't have to make the assist. Your job is to find the advantage and we create it with this. So like, you know, like, so for instance, if it's a, if they're in a soft coverage, like a, a a drop, or maybe even like a switch, like our thing is like, okay, where should the ball go? So if they're in that soft coverage, I'm teaching my guards more times than not again, it's always different, but I'm teaching my guards. If they're soft, you're throwing it back, like to the shake guy behind you. So if I'm coming off that side pick and roll, and my guy rolls. And I think the, the biggest thing, before I go into anything else, more, more screeners need to roll. Like, the roll is the thing that everyone defaults to the pop. And I think it's very ineffective. It's, it looks cool if you make a three. But, like, you can score on the roll if you're really good at it. And you don't even need to be a good player. You just need to be active and cut hard. So if my guy is coming off the ball screen from the wing and they're in a soft, like, a drop, I'm teaching that guy. His first look is most likely he's finding the tag, but he's throwing it behind to that guy that's coming up out of the ball side corner because that way like your screener is going to roll he's going to pivot around and you're going to be able to get the ball in the post or if your guy helps in on the tag then you're going to have a shot drive pass decision if it's like a harder like a hard show or a double one we're teaching them to get rid of it early like we're trying to like it i did a lot of stuff with these the got the efficient sauce guys are two really good big time coaches from uh that coach in new zealand and you're basically drawing up plays but they call it like a messy pass like Lionel messi like I, like he's so good at just finding that next pass that throw ahead pass to make the play. So what I'm teaching on like a hard thing is I'm throwing the ball ahead because now if they're trapping me and I throw it ahead, they put two on the ball. We got to create it. We, we've created an advantage. If that guy rolls hard, you're either going to have the roll or that guy in the corner, but you might have that advantage right from that guy throwing the pass, but you've already created it. The other thing you can do on like the hard one is you can short roll. Like you can have that, that big, not roll all the way to the rim just kind of like like dream on green like take a couple steps underneath it open up to the ball and now you got a four on three that way too but like back in the day when I was at Cornell we had an awesome guard like one of the all-time leading scorers in school history and he was so good all we taught was like split get to the rim split go be aggressive get downhill like so that's that's kind of how it's evolved for me and teaching the ball screen like from a big picture perspective is like how do we find the advantage we've created it because they're putting two on the ball and then like how do we play off that and then that's that's like such a big part of it. Like you don't need to get super complex. It's just like understanding where the ball goes and how to make those passes and where you should be looking. Like you got to have that hard focus. Like when you have it, obviously a little bit, but you got to have that soft focus, like to see the whole clerk. So if they're rolling hard, well, who's tagging in, who's helping in on the ball. So if, if the guy in the corner comes over and helps it, well I'm throwing the ball to his man. Like, but that's, it sounds so easy. Like when you say it on here and like, but like it's guys like what they do is they just look at that role. So they're playing two guys. They're not looking at like everything that's going on around the ball. I'm like, hey, like this guy's open. Like I can just get it to him right now. I don't even have to come off the screen. So I just more aware of where you need to look and just how to how to create that advantage based off the coverage is a huge part of it.
0: You talked that fives are rolling not or not aren't rolling enough and they're st- and they're settling with pop. We ran in that last year. We had a really successful five for us who averaged eighteen a game and playing in the NAI. He liked to pop too much. We were like, dude, you got to roll your six seven. Roll, roll, roll. And so I want to break down what are some of your. Uh, I know maybe you haven't taught it a ton, but in your research and what have you found are some of the main like teaching points or phrases to help just. Uh, coach is like, all right, I need to get my five rolling more There, where we're inefficient with our roll or their footwork. What is in your research, what have you found is the fa- is the most effective way of teaching uh, just reads and the general pick roll, pick pop, pick slip, pick touch decision of the five?
1: Yeah. So like, to me, I think you got to empower that role guy to like make reads. Like we all talk about reads with the ball handler, but the screener has a huge part in this thing. So like, Again, your whole job is to create the advantage. So if my guy is running up from the bottom and he's going to like screen on the wing, set a ball screen, well, dependent coverage dependent a little bit. Like he has two reads he needs to make. It's and I it's they're called smash or sprint. So like a like a sprint is once you see that guy on the ball, open up his hips and get to the side. Like if if we're if we're defending a ball screen and my buddy calls out ball screen, I'm opening my hips up and I'm getting on that bottom side to force him to the screen so he can't reject it. If I'm the screener, my job is done because my player already has an advantage getting downhill because he has that guy on his hip. So now as a screener, all my job is just to reroute and make sure he goes over and then sprint to the rim. Like, you don't even really need to get a big piece of him. Whereas, like, let's say that guard doesn't really – for whatever reason, doesn't really jump to the hips, like gets in that like gentleman's type stance, like where he's just like on the side, ready to move. And then like the, so he's more like square to the ball. Well, now you got to smash. So what a smash is like, my guy doesn't have the advantage. So now I got to set him a screen to get him open. And I got to hold this screen. So like against the drop, like the smash is really important because if you set a good screen on that and you can roll off it, you're playing two on one with your guard with a head advantage. So it's like, I know I got to screen this guy. And then, like, whereas, like, maybe, like, against the hedge or whatever, it, it doesn't matter. But, like, like, a sprint is I'm basically going and just making sure he goes over. Like, that's my whole job. You know, and then, like, as you get more advanced with it, like, you can do more stuff with it. Like, so I, like, like, I watch a lot of, like, jazz stuff, you know, because they just do an excellent job. And, like, you'll watch, like, Gobert when he screens. He's so good at just manipulating angles for his ball handlers, depending on who they are. Like, if it's a drag situation. And he already sees that that defender is pushing him middle, like where he just needs to sprint. He's like like running to the rim. It's, I think they call it like a roll run or a, something like that. He doesn't stop moving. He just goes through that gap between the the offense, the offensive player, and the hedge guy, and he runs to the rim. Well, in a drop situation or whatever, that that hedge guy has to be able to stay underneath the roll, or else you're, in that situation you're giving a lob or just giving up a layup. And then he's also good at you know like okay, like, do I just stop a second and make sure that guy goes over? Do I make, you know, like, that kind of stuff. But the other thing he's good at is he'll, like, screen a little higher because everyone talks about screening low and forcing that guy down. Well, he'll – like, especially with angles, like, he'll screen higher on the body. And what that does is, like – I mean, like, even us, like, we tell all our guards to go over every ball screen. Not – and they, they have freedom to go underneath sometimes. But, like, so if you screen higher on the body – that guard is going to do one of two things. That guard's going to trace it and go so high to get over the screen because he's doing what coach told him, that now you got that two-on-one advantage going to the rim, and now you can play against the drop and, like, have the shake and have all your movement. Or he's going under, and once they go under, it's an automatic rescreen. So now you got, you know, like, Joe Ingles, but even, like, with my AAU guys this spring and summer, like, we taught them, if, you, if, you, if they go under, you automatically turn and rescreen because they can't go under twice or else they're going to give up a, a wide open shot. And it, or you're so low, you're getting to the rim. So I think just empowering your bigs to be able to understand situation, how they're, how they're reading the screen. Like, okay. Like what is the defense doing again? Like short roll? Are they, are they really jumping out hard on my guy? Well, I just find the pocket underneath. And then once I get there, now we're playing four on three. And I think another thing you got to work on is teaching your guards how to make those passes to the bigs. Because if you want your big dogs rolling, like, you got to throw them the ball every once in a while or else they're not going to roll. They're just going to pop. Like, so like, I, like for me, I spend a lot of time teaching like the pocket pass because guards don't want to throw it. They get really hesitant with it. Like, so it's like you got to work on that and say, Hey, if you roll really hard and do your job rolling, we're going to get you the ball and you're going to get four to six points just on rolling. And whether it's off the, like the little pocket pass, whether it's off like a throwback and throw into the post, whether it's like a, like a lob for a layup at our level, like you got to show them that there's, it, there's good things that are going to happen to you if you roll because then they'll do it better and they'll set better screens.
0: I right, so you talked about what the five, the big things that I heard that I wrote down and maybe some new understanding for me is the sprint smash concept. I really like that. So just to review. So if you're seeing a guy screeners running up to the screen and you see the defender, you see the, fr- like pretty much the front of their Jersey start to turn towards you. You're just going to sprint. You're just going to get a touch and go, right? Basically. Yes. And yeah. Then- but- yeah and then the smash is gonna be if you kind of see that shoulder that arm they haven't really adjusted they're playing straight up you're looking to set a good screen and the advanced piece might be a screen a little bit higher if you know that they're going over the screen correct
1: yeah no and I think that you you nailed it like I think the the sprint smash thing has been a huge thing with me because like it, it one it empowers those bigs to do what they need to do but then it also like like that sprinting, like you've done your job. Just by the act of you come in a screen, you've opened up that advantage opportunity for your teammate. So now let's get out and sprint downhill. And footwork wise, like I just say get down and just get to the rim as quickly as you can. Like we'll we'll fine tune it if we need to short roll or whatever. But that smash thing is like, okay, now your teammate needs help to get to create that advantage. So if I set a good screen, he's gonna get that advantage. And I think that's it, it takes a little bit, especially like with the, like the AAU guys, the high school guys I work with, but like, even at the college level, it's like, it's just like, Oh, like this actually makes a ton of sense. And then the light bulb goes on and then they get good at it.
0: Let's talk about the the one or the primary ball handler point guard, whatever you want to call it, whatever the terminology is in your program. What are some of their basic reads? So we broke down the five. Let's talk about the point guards reads. They're coming to a ball screen, five sprinting up. They haven't made their decision. If it's a sprint smash yet, what are they looking to do?
1: So the first thing like there's been two guys that have helped me a ton with ball screen. One guy is named Liam Flynn. He's a Australian that coached in a uh, Jerusalem last year in the champions league. He is, if you want to learn ball screen stuff, he has videos on CoachTube. tube. He is, he is the goat. Like he is the best I've ever heard. Then another is Brent Timpton. He's a American coach in Guam and he's has some really good stuff. So I'm going to basically steal all their stuff right now and just sound smart. But like, those are the two guys that like, if I need to learn, I'm going. So when I'm coming up to the ball screen, My first thing is I got to scan the floor, that soft focus. I'm looking corner, middle corner. I'm looking, what I'm trying to do as the guard with the ball handler is I'm trying to find that flat footed defender, that guy that isn't quite in the gap. Maybe he's helping early, but I'm scanning the other, all the other players to see like, can I throw it quick to the corner and create an advantage? Okay. There's nothing there. Like I see that, like that, that defender's not creeping in. He's paying attention. He's alert. Now I'm looking middle, you know, is there a chance to throw it? Uh, you know, to create like the roller just slip or is there just something in the middle of the floor happening? Now I'm looking opposite corner. Is that guy starting to cheat in because he knows he's got to help on this ball screen. And then I, maybe I throw it ahead. So that's my first look. And then as I'm coming off, I'm reading coverage. You know, what is my coverage solution? Are they hedging? Are they soft? What is, what are they doing? My first thing when I'm coming up to a ball screen is as a scorer, I'm trying to reject, like I tell our guards, I've said it every year I've coached uh, I want to lead the country in rejected ball screens. Because the setup to your ball screen is everything. Like, your ability to get that guy to the to the level of the screen or below is such a big part of the ball screen process. Well, if you are a threat to reject things, and you know that, like, I think about it from a defensive standpoint. If a guy gets rejected on a ball screen and I'm the defensive coach, like at St. Mary's, like, that's one of my non-negotiables. Like, I, if a guy gets rejected, like, like, the wrath of everything is coming at that kid. So I know my guys, like, so I tell my guys, well, like, Think about this. If you can reject it, the next time you come up to the ball screen, now that guy's playing that. Now you got him set up. Now it's just a little in and out being able to set him up away from the screen. And he's going to bite because you just rejected And he just got yelled at by his coach in a timeout. So being that threat to reject with the really good guys, the next stage is being able to split before and maybe split after that stuff that I don't, I don't teach it as much except to certain, certain guys. Um, So now as I'm coming off the screen, I'm reading where the help's coming from how they're covering me on the ball, who's tagging, and then what I need to do with it. And again, this is, it sounds like it's whatever, but like, if they're in a drop, like, I'm trying to control it. Like, I'm trying to control that guy on my back in like a hostage situation, letting my roller get downhill, letting them show the tag. And then like, it's like Luca, like that dude's never in a rush. Like he is so much fun and helps that he's six, seven and just amazing at everything. But like, That dude never rushes his like his reads. Like he's literally in the hostage dribble for three dribbles. And he's like, okay, now I see that help coming in. Now I'm gonna throw that pass. So I think like that's a big part. And then you gotta just teach your point your guards how to make those passes. Like you gotta be okay with like the underhand little bounce pass for a pocket pass. You gotta be okay with like an overhead hook pass to to hit the, the shake guy. Like those are the way those guys gotta make those passes. And I think the more they see where the help is coming from and understanding like I don't need to score. I don't need to make the assist. I just got to make the next right play. And I think that's such a big component for those guys coming off the screen.
0: That is, uh, you know, we run a lot of spread ball screen type stuff, uh, but this is a ton of great notes that I'm writing down. But one of the things too that I want to build off of, like you said, I think the, one of the biggest misconceptions, I think someone had it going on in a Twitter poll too this weekend or something. I don't know. The last five months, the days kind of all merged together, but uh, sure. I had to go back. I had to actually had to go back when you were talking to figure out exactly what day Fran was. I thought it was like two days ago and it was five days ago. <laughs> But uh, the biggest misconception is, like, the, the, where coaches, I think, overstep their power so much as with passing. It's like, we got a chest pass. We got to, you know, the old school passing within the body. It's like, no, like, those passes get stolen. It's like you got to be able to make that, you know, the no-look the no pass isn't for the Instagram. The no-look pass is to hold the help or hold the defense so you can set the roll man up or the, or the one-handed pocket pass off the bounce or, like you said, the hook pass. I think those are the passes where if you want to truly have an efficient offense, you have to be okay with them. Uh, completing. And I think you have to be okay with the occasional turnover um, because eventually, I mean, if you break down 20 possessions and maybe you turn it over once because of the pass, but you allow yourself to maybe have more scoring opportunities. And in your league, when you guys got a 30 second shot clock, I mean, eventually you got to shoot the damn thing, right? You got to do something. You can't just pass it around and chess pass around the perimeter. So well, I think that's well, a big well, yeah. thing with offense. I think that coaches, I would challenge coaches is to reevaluate what passes that they accept within their programs.
1: Yeah, and I totally agree. Like, I used to be the most fundamental, like, you know, thumbs down, all the camp yes that you teach. And it's like, like, the more I study it and, like, the more I look at basketball, and Chris Oliver Basketball Immersion was the guy I'm like, I am such a dope. Like, my guys don't make those passes. So let's get them good at, like, the passes that they are making. Like, the first day, you know, like, even, like, AAU a little bit, but more with our college guys, like, like, when we're working on ball screen, like, the first thing we're working on is throwing that underhanded bounce pass for a pocket, pocket pass. And it's funny because, like, you have it in a game. Like, we had a game. We knew, like, we'll go two-on-two ball screens and work on what they're going to cover, especially for, like, Eli. And in the game, I can't even remember who we were playing. But Eli makes the bounce pass. And, I'm like, we got on, him at, on our guys at heaven. Like, it's there. Just throw it. Just throw it. And in the second half in front of our bench, Eli makes that pass. And he looks at me. And I'm like, yes, like, you did it. Like, thank you. Like, you know, it was just really cool because it's, like, Guys are just hesitant to throw those passes because they've been taught, like, inside the body, thumbs down when you throw it, you know, bounce it two-thirds of the way there. It's like, no, like, play basketball. It's all about getting the ball to where it needs to go as fast as possible and as accurate as possible. Now, if you're not good at throwing the hook pass, like, you better work on it because you need that. And I, I just think, like, for me, like, that's been a huge adjustment in my coaching.
0: Last ball screen related question. You've done a lot, or maybe this isn't even ball screen. Maybe this is more offense based, but if you can answer it in regard, in regards to an action, that is some sort of ball screen, I'd appreciate that because okay. then I can write it down for my team. <laughs> no, but uh, so you've done a lot of studying. What's the, you mentioned the mash action, which I really like. Uh, so maybe that's your answer. What action have you seen? Um, that is the most applicable that maybe, in maybe NBA teams are running this high level D ones are running this, but I know that high school programs can run
1: this successfully. Hmm. Yeah, like I think the the mash stuff is really good. I think when you Let's film, talk about
0: that. Break that down. What is it? Just talk through that whole possession then of what a okay, mash action so, is. Okay. So a
1: mash action is basically when you screen or get screened. And again, this is credit as Fish and Sauce guys like I just It's all best. you man. Don't
0: it's all you. No, we all no, no. steal. So just take it.
1: Like they're they're the best at talking basketball. They're like two of the best offensive minds in the world. So I got to credit them. Like I've the, like I'm taking their terminology cuz they get it. But a mash is basically I'm dribbling or I'm screening for a guy or, or getting screened into a, a dribble handoff. So like, let's say it's the point guard. He hits the trailer at the top of the key, like the five man. And there's a guy in the corner, like a traditional five out. Well, a mash action would be point guard. I'm now going and down screening for that guy in the corner. My big is going to dribble over and hand off to the guy in the corner and then probably roll. And then I would shake it can also be if I'm the same situation, like, let's say I pass it to that guy in the corner, he dribbles up, hits the big at the top of the floor. And now I like, like, let's just say I kind of meander down towards like the block area. Now I set that back screen for that player to come off me. And then I come and get the handoff. Those are both considered like a mash. You screen or get screened, um, you know, to get to a dribble handoff. So I think that's like really effective. Um One of the actions I really like, it's a Hoiberg thing from back in Iowa State. And I've run this. We ran it at uh, Cornell. We ran a ton of Hoiberg stuff. And then, like, I've been watching, like, the Erie Bayhawks. I think I'll have a blog on it next week. And then uh, Santa Cruz Warriors, who are the best G League team, uh, in terms of all ball screen offense stuff. Um, So, like, picture, like, a four-out. So basically, like, I dribble handoff with the other guy in the other slot. So, like, dribble, drive, whatever. My, the post player is is working away to the block. So the block, I'm dribbling handoff to that guy. He's going to go into some dribble handoff, basically bring it back to the initial side. And now either he's throwing it back or he's playing dribble handoff with the guy in the corner, but the ball comes back to the point guard at the top. Now, like, after, like, a uh, however, like, a pass. Like, I dribble handoff, he dribble handoffs, and he throws it back to me. And then that big that's underneath the defense comes and sprints and sets like a step up. Like, I love that action. And it's probably hard to explain on here, but if you look at look up uh, Fred Hoiberg mix angle is basically what it is. And then like, I'll have stuff on it a little bit too, but it's such a cool action because you're getting the defense moving with a couple dribble handoffs. And now you're coming back to your best ball handler with a five man or a post player sprinting up and setting a weird angle ball screen. And now, if he rolls, now everyone's got to be on point, and you've already touched three or four guys. Like four guys are involved in the action; the fifth dude's facing in the corner. So, I like stuff like you can do like that, and stack it on top of each other. Like I think that stuff's really hard to guard. And then just a general action that I love is like the the ball screen, middle ball screen, with that guard coming underneath, like to a baseline exit. So it basically turns into a single tag, which I think is a huge piece of offense. Like so, like just say it's a traditional middle ball screen and we put a guard under the rim, but you can get into a million different actions. That big sets the ball screen for the guard. And as that side that the guard's going to, there's a guy in the corner screening in for that guy underneath the the basket. And so now what happens is you're involving four guys and really five, because the only guy that can help on that is the backside corner guy. And that big rolling, there's a single take, but then you also have a shooter coming out to the strong side. And I think like, like that's like my favorite action right now that I've seen. So I don't know. I threw too much at you probably, but.
0: Well, the thing is that, and I'm, I'm picking up what you're putting down. Cause I've read, I've read the blogs and I've looked through the video breakdown. So all this stuff is, is broken down one way or another on uh, coach Brown's newsletter in the gaps. Uh, great stuff. I highly encourage you guys to check that out. Uh, reach out to coach Brown on Twitter. Uh, he'll, I know he'll respond to you quickly. Email. Uh, just don't say that you've been watching him since you were five, because apparently yeah. he won't email you back. Yeah. I do have I'll one more. Bon-
1: call liar. So.
0: <laughs> I got one more bonus question here, and you saw this coming through. Mount Rushmore of Quick Trip items.
1: Man, it's like a dad trying to pick his favorite kid. Like I've thought about this too. Like I've prepped for this, and I really don't have an answer. So I guess I would go. <sighs> All right. So. The breakfast croissant, I think is really good. I like coach Sorensen at Northland's idea of just four different tornadoes. Like, I think that's a, I respect that choice. So I'll go the the breakfast croissant sandwich is solid. I would say then after that, probably a tornado. Those are pretty solid last two. And this is bad because I prep for this and I don't have it, man. I, they're just all so good. Like the, they're at, some of them they have a chicken tender wrap that's pretty good and all this stuff is super healthy too so don't worry about calories yep yep, counting your macros and then the last last one i guess would probably be probably i guess would be just the 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 regular like chicken tender type thing no, I would say I'll, I'll go with the egg rolls. I'll go with the egg rolls. We'll let some variety. If
0: life. you can get – and this maybe this doesn't count. If you can get to the uh, – and we have a quick trip. It's right by the high school, and I live on the other side of town, so I don't really go to it anymore. But I, 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 it's quick trip for me. It's like a basketball thing. It's like right next to our high school. So it's like I pull in, quick trip, get my Sprite gum, whatever for the game. But, uh, man, the, the if you can get your hands on a microwave, like the quickery cinnamon rolls microwave, though – it's like huh. 750 calories, man. Those are good. But you're, I guess you're talking when you're out on the road, you don't have a microwave in the, yeah. in the car with you. So you got to yeah. get what you get, what's hot.
1: Yeah. So I always think about it like quick trip as like recruiting, like you're driving back from middle of nowhere, Minnesota, middle of nowhere, Wisconsin. You need to eat something after a game, you know, it might have whatever. And it's like 10 o'clock, 10:15 10, at night. And you're just hoping you don't hit a deer like the, like an abominable snowman or something in like the yeah. Northwoods. And you just like stop. and It's like, okay, what am I going to go grab? That's quick and easy. Well, it's quick trip. So that's how I look at it.
0: All right, coach. I appreciate it. Keep up putting that good content out. Uh, Best of luck to everything for your program and you as an individual in the future. Uh, And uh, coaches reach out. Uh, Kyle's here to help. So thanks coach.
1: Yeah. Thank you for having me.